Luis Castillo is on the move from the Reds to the Mariners, and it's a Mailbag Monday. Y'all have questions. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And today's episode is brought to you by Vroom. With Vroom, you can buy a car entirely online, have it delivered straight to you, and never have to go to a dealership again. Next time you need to buy a car, grab your phone, go to Vroom.com, and check out thousands of great cars. So trade deadline is coming up. It is on Tuesday. Quick reminder, uh, Locked on MLB Prospects will have all of your breakdowns, rapid reactions to any move that's made. So subscribe now um, to Locked on MLB Prospects on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. You get notified when we drop episodes and we drop special features about specific trades. Uh, The first big piece on the board, uh, no offense to Daniel Vogelback, but the first big piece off the board uh, has has moved with Luis Castillo going from the Reds to the Mariners for a package of four prospects. David Peralta got moved um, to the Rays from the Diamondbacks, and we'll mention him at the end, but Luis Castillo gets traded to the Mariners for four prospects, and this is, to me, this is a sign that the Mariners are going for it, right? So they sent four prospects. They sent right-handers Levi Stout and Andrew Moore, shortstop Edwin Arroyo, and shortstop Noel V. Marte, their number one prospect for a year and a half of Luis Castillo. So, I mean, think about this now. So this season and next season, from, from the Mariners, before we get to the prospects, from the Mariners' side, they've got Castillo, they've got Robbie Ray, reigning Cy Young winner, they've got Logan Gilbert and George Kirby, and then you've got guys at the farm like Matt Brash, who's up right now, um, you know, You've got pitching options now. You've got guys. Julio Rodriguez obviously has played fantastic. He's on that short list for Rookie of the Year. The Mariners are going for the whole thing. They haven't been in the postseason since 2001. I think that's the longest drought in the majors. So they're going for it. I am very happy for it. But the deal, okay. So here's the thing about the, the trade. The Mariners are doing all of this to get a wild card, which I think is wild. Probably should reword that. Um, They're not going to win the AL West. They are way behind the Houston Astros, but this makes them dangerous once they get into the postseason. And and granted, there's no one and done wild card game now. So they'll play a best of three. But it's, you know, so you can bring out Castillo, Robbie Ray, and Logan Gilbert in a three game series against the Blue Jays or somebody like that. There's value in that, but what you gave up to do it, it's a lot, right? So let's start at the top. Shortstop Noel V. Marte. Uh, We've talked about this, number one prospect in the system. And the thing to me here is like top 50 player prospect wise, Um, top end exit velo, fantastic strength. He's had a little bit of inconsistent hit tool right? Um, and it, it kind of comes down to his approach. He'll get, he'll get out of rhythm. He'll get back in rhythm. He's a little bit streaky, which you see from a young player. He's 20 years old. Um, 
He hit 229 the first two and a half months at high A Everett. And then the last 28 games, he's hit 355 with nine home runs, 32 RBIs, and an OPS of like 1,100. So he may have to move to third base. Uh, and I say that outside of all of the shortstops that the Reds now have. And, you know, obviously they can't all play shortstop. I say it outside of that. He may have to move to third base. But uh, average to above average hitter, plus, plus to double plus power somewhere in there. Um, as long as he can work on his conditioning, there were some of the reports this year that he was a little bit out of shape when he got in. Uh, and he can kind of get that approach to be a little more consistent, a little less streaky. I think he's a clear number four, number five hitter in your lineup. I mean, he's, he's batting cleanup play in third base for a while. So, great get. To go along with him, to also get Edwin Arroyo, who, to me, has been one of the fastest rising prospects this year. I mean, there's a short list. Asturi Ruiz. Um, I mean, like, there's a short list of guys who have shot up the boards like Arroyo has. Uh, switch hitting shortstop, plus defender, and, you know, 40th round, like 40th overall pick last year. So, and he was kind of seen as not a ton of power, really just kind of a contact guy. He hit 316, 385, 514, 13 home runs, 67 RBIs, 21 stolen bases in Modesto. That's uh, low A, probably the second best player in the California League, just behind Jordan Lawler, the Diamondbacks. So, offensively, power really kind of showed up there, especially from the left-hand side. Um, you know, decent from the right-hand side, the power manifests more from the left-hand side. I think he might be one of those guys that ends up giving up switch hitting and just bats lefty. But anyway, uh, above average hitter, and I think right now, assuming some of what we have seen, assuming that it holds, you're looking at 20 to 25 home run power. From a, You know, and again, 18 years old, uh, in low A, n- appears that he's a no-doubt defensive shortstop that is able to contribute 20-25 home run power. I mean, that is incredibly valuable. So getting these two guys was a fantastic get, and now the Reds just have so many shortstop prospects. Uh, if, the, if, there's a, if the question is, can you have enough shortstop prospects, the answer is no. Because just about every single right-handed position player that you see at one point in time was either a shortstop or a center fielder. Unless it's just an incredibly slow dude. Any athletic uh, right-handed position player you see was at one point in time a shortstop. You can move guys to third. You can move guys to the outfield. You can, you know, if it's, if it's somebody who would be at third, uh, you know, but doesn't have the super fast reactions, you put them in a left field. If they have the arm for third, you can put them in right. I mean, it's, you've got lots of options. So, so don't be afraid to get a bunch of shortstops. And then to go around with this, you've got two pitching prospects. And I like Andrew more, more than Levi Stout. Again, I should have thought a better way to word that. So Andrew Moore, 14th round pick last year out of Chippewa Junior College. Same school as Cam Collier. Um, I think he's a reliever. I think, I think that's one of the things here. He's a reliever. And I think he, you can't necessarily look at his low A numbers and say he's going to be incredibly dominant because think about the age and stuff, right? He was, he was a college draftee in low A. He's supposed to be better than everybody. We've talked about this. But um, fastball sits mid to upper 90s, can touch 100. Slider is 
high 80s. It's a power slider. Doesn't have a ton of movement to it, but it's just it's just the power for it. He's got good arm strength. But the pitches have qualities. He doesn't really have that great third pitch. Um, and then he doesn't quite, the ball comes in kind of flat. It doesn't really um, come in. He doesn't, he's not an over-the-top delivery guy. But because he comes in kind of flat, he gets good extension and it releases closer to the plate. So the fastball plays up a bit. Um, I think that he's going to end up being like a high leverage reliever. I mean, you know, above average slider plus fastball. That's where I see him. Uh, and I think this could be the future closer for the Reds. And then the fourth guy, Levi Stout. Right-hand pitcher, probably a top 10 in the Mariners system. Uh, struggled a little bit in double-A this year. So, uh, one... Big fastball, right? Sits mid-90s, can touch 98 with it. Above average, he can throw it for strikes. He can use it to, especially early in the count. Uh, and I feel like it does better It does better when he throws it up in the zone. Uh, he's got a split changeup, low 80s. It was a plus pitch last year. Hasn't looked as good this year. Not as consistent, not as effective. Uh, he mainly has been using it as a chase pitch to get guys to go after it out of the zone. He has a slider to go along with that, probably above average. He's got a big curveball that's kind of average. Doesn't locate the curveball too well, but I think it's just, I mean, he's been very inconsistent this year. And I think this is something where if you can get him to be a little more consistent and get him to throw the secondaries for strikes, you're looking at a solid number four, number five. So you got all of this for a year and a half of Luis Castillo when you weren't contending. This was a very, very good return if you are the Reds, and you should be happy with it. Uh, real quick, David Peralta went to the Rays from the Diamondbacks. The guy that went back, uh, catcher Christian Serta, uh, not in the top 30 right now, or was it for the Rays? 20 games in rookie ball, 315, 464, 519. Two home runs, more walks than strikeouts. 15 walks to 12 strikeouts. I think this is something where... It's a fine return for David Peralta, who's not a perfect player. Defensively, he's sound. Offensively, you got to platoon him against a lefty. He cannot hit lefties to save his life. So I think that's a decent return. Doesn't bother me in the slightest. I think that um, the Diamondbacks probably got, they may have been able to hold on to him for a day later and get a little bit better offer, but that's probably about the max of what they were going to get. Just a minute. I've got some questions about some draft picks, guys who haven't signed, and if any draft picks are the new number one prospect in their organization. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your connections and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedonmlb. That's linkedin.com slash lockedonmlb to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Okay, a couple draft-related questions here. We're not past the draft yet, folks. We still got some time. So, first question was about which top MLB draft picks have not signed yet. So, quick reminder here. If a guy in the top three rounds 
does not sign, you get a compensation pick the next year. What happened to Kumar Rocker? Um, that pick is one selection after the selection this year. So if you had the 100th overall pick and he didn't sign, you get 101 next year. Um, if a guy inside the top 10 rounds does not sign, you lose the bonus pool space that was for that slot. So if that slot was worth $250,000 and he doesn't sign, that is subtracted from your pool. Now, the reason that matters is if you go over your pool by more than 5%, you can start losing draft picks. So if you were banking on signing a guy under slot and having some money left over and you lose that money and you go from, say, 4% over to 6% over, you might lose a first-round pick as well as paying a 75% luxury tax on the overage. So that's why that matters. But the highest rate, there's three guys in the top 10 rounds that have not signed yet. So the Oakland A's have a 10th rounder out there. Wichita State second baseman Brock Rodden. He has not signed. Um, Again, if he does not sign, they will lose the slot value um, for that pick out of their pool. I believe that was a $151,000 slot. So they'll lose that if he doesn't sign. And then in the third round, there's actually two guys outstanding. So Oklahoma State pitcher and third baseman Nolan McLean went to the Orioles. First pick in the third round. So 81 overall, $794,000 slot. Um, went to Oklahoma State. As a quarterback, didn't get on campus, focused on just baseball. So um, there's some folks that like him as a, you know, that like him as a pitcher more than a position player. He struck out a lot, didn't make a lot of contact, uh, but well below average runner. So liked him as a pitcher. He can throw up the he can throw 98. He has a like a hard breaking curveball and a power slider. I think they could both be plus. This is just something where there's probably some disagreement between the player and the team about how this works, the deadline, I mean, you have, you, you have to get this done this week. The deadline is, is 5 p.m. Eastern on Monday. The other guy that's left right now in this is Brandon Sprout. So third round pick as well for the Mets, uh, right-hand pitcher out of Florida. And this is something where struggled earlier in the season, right? Final six starts. And I, I think there, I don't know if there was some sort of injury thing there. Or he just wasn't ready or what. But final six starts, seven earned runs total. Fastball hit 99, slider hit 91. So I'm willing to bet this is something where the Mets have a different value of him than he does. He probably thinks he's more deserving of a bonus based off of that last seven starts where they're probably looking at the earlier part of the year and saying, well, this is the guy you are. This is the, p- the pitcher you are. The value of the slot, $691,000. So off the top of my head, I don't know exactly where the Mets are as far as all of their money, and do they have the money to go over that significantly without getting into the tax? I know that they had to go over slot for Kevin Parada, but they were able to go a little bit under slot on Jet Williams. So I know that there's... I don't know exactly how much flexibility. I know some of their back-end guys ended up being close to full slot value, minus 10th round. 
Um, you know, I think their eighth round guy was a 50 grand discount, maybe. Uh, I want to say their sixth round guy was 50 or 60 grand discount, but like fifth round guy, full slot. Fourth round was overslot. It was a prep player. So I'm not sure how much money they have left. Um, so that might be one of the issues there. But again, 5 p.m. Eastern on Monday is the deadline to get that resolved. To go along with that, another question I got is which teams, like which draftee from a team automatically or not automatically or right now is the number one prospect in their system? And it's not as many as you would think. So there's a couple guys who you would think would be and they are not because there's other good guys in the system. Jackson Holiday, number one to the Orioles. He is not number one in the system because right-hand pitcher Grayson Rodriguez is a top five prospect. Um, and then this pod's favorite prospect, shortstop Gunnar Henderson, is a top five prospect as well. So like Jackson Holiday probably slots in number three in that system right away. And if Rutschman hadn't debuted, he probably would be number four in that system. So pretty far down for a number one pick, actually. Um, Drew Jones, who is now currently hurt, uh, he's probably a guy that a lot of folks ex- would expect to be the number one prospect in his system as well, but Corbin Carroll's a top five prospect as well. So he's going to come in at number two. There's a couple guys that I think were close. Tamar Johnson, we've talked about him, second baseman, went to the Pirates really early. Uh, as one of the best high school hitters in a decade. One of the best hit tools coming out of high school. Thing here, though, Henry Davis was the number one overall pick last year at catcher, plays a premium defensive position, uh, offensively looks to be a fantastic hitter. And so I think Henry Davis is going to be above Tamar Johnson's close, but I still have Davis as the number one and Johnson as number two. Kansas City, outfielder Gavin Cross in the first. Um, you've seen a bunch of guys graduate out of there. MJ Melendez has graduated. Bobby Witt has graduated. Vinny Pascantino is just about to graduate. Good old Vinny P. And that'll leave Nick Prado. I think Nick Prado's still going to be just above Gavin Cross in the Royals rankings. Uh, the two that I think are actually going to become the number one prospects in their system. So one is the Nationals. I think Elijah Green has the highest ceiling of just about any player in this class. I mean, he's an incredibly massive human being who runs incredibly fast. He is, that was a tight end in the NFL. Um, I think he's going to push Cade Cavalli out of number one for the Nationals. Now, this could change if you trade for Juan Soto, if, if somebody trades for Juan Soto, because you're going to get back four or five top 10 prospects. So this might change in a week or two days. Uh, but, as of now, I have Elijah Green at number one in the national system. And then Brooks Lee, uh, out of Cal Poly, the best pure hitter in that college group. I have him passing Royce Lewis, who is injured right now, with the Twins and being the new number one in that system. So, two guys become the new number one in their system. But most, like almost every single one of these first round guys are in their top tens, if not their top fives. Uh, so, right away. In just a minute, I've got a couple questions from y'all about individual specific players. Uh, but first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Uh, so find reviews and news of every league, MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. 
BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information, live in-game betting, scores. They have you covered. What's great is they even have stuff that's not necessarily about the outcome of the game. They have Juan Soto props out there right now. They also have Shohei Otani props out there right now. You can go out and you can see which teams are favored to get Juan Soto or Shohei Otani, which is wild to me. I never would have thought that Shohei Otani might get traded, but apparently it's out there. You never know. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action because BetOnline is where the game starts. Okay, so a couple questions from y'all. I realize I haven't been given names this whole time. Jeff on Twitter asked about left-hand pitcher Jake Eater of the Marlins. So 6'4", 215, went to Vanderbilt. He was a fourth rounder in 2020. You remember that was that really weird draft, only five rounds. Um, And then you capped a bunch of, they had to cap a bunch of guys at $125,000 for bonuses after the draft. So a lot of guys went, went, went back to college. But in double A, he, so he debuted in double A last year. Alternate site, goes to double A, and is having a year, okay? Win-loss record, three and five. We've talked on this show before. Don't spend a lot of time looking at win-loss record in the minors. There's some bad play sometimes in the minors. ERA of 177, 15 games, 71 innings, had 99 strikeouts to 27 walks. Only gave up 14 earned runs. In 15 games. So 12 and a half strikeouts per nine. And then. Had Tommy John surgery. Going to be out this entire year. We're looking to him. To get some, get some time in. Sometime earlier in the year next year. I don't have any word on if they're going to send him to instructional ball or not this fall. But either way. Uh, seeing him pitch next year. But before the injury. So looking at what happened before that. Um, fastball sits low 90s. It can, it can tick up to 95 or so, which again, as a lefty, that's really good velocity. You like that. And it's really effective up in the zone. It's got a lot of like late life to it. Uh, kind of rides up in the zone, plays really well, and he can throw it to both sides of the plate, which is something you love. So it's a true weapon plus pitch, true weapon against both lefties and righties. Uh, to go along with that, um, He's got a he's got a breaking ball. I'm gonna call it a slider. It's really it really kind of morphs back and forth between the two, and that's what makes some of this stuff hard. Is we have to remember that these things aren't necessarily static. These pitches can change. Um, you can do something different, and he actually does. From what I understand, he deliberately changes the way he throws it. It looks like a slider sometimes, like a curveball sometimes. If he wants to get swing and miss, he'll throw it more like a slider. Um, if he wants to steal a strike early in the count, he'll take, he'll take a little bit off, drop it in the zone for a strike. So he can make it go more horizontal or vertical, depending on what he's trying to do. I'm going to call it a slider. Um, but really it's kind of like he has a slider and a curveball both. Uh, but plus either way, his control of it, his feel of it, where he can put it. I mean, it's a plus pitch. And then he's got to change up. Um, it's hit and miss still. So there's times it's got some solid kind of fading life to it when he gets it just right. But when he throws it a little too hard, it just goes nice and straight and gets clobbered. So 
Uh, I'd put it as an average pitch now. I think it could end up at, at above average. But plus command of all of these, I really see him as a number two or number three. Um, I think if the changeup takes a step to go to above average, I think he can be a number three, two plus, I'm sorry, a number two, two plus pitches and an above average pitch. If the changeup stays as an average pitch, I think he's probably a number three. But either way, right now, the goal is get him back from injury, get him back on a mound. So we're going to look for him in 2023 to see what he can do. Uh, but very excited about the potential of a Jake Eater. Other question was about right-hand pitcher Gordon Graceffo. So uh, right-hand, right-hand pitcher of the Cardinals organization went to Villanova, was a fifth-round pick last year. Um, got, you know, got an overslot deal, went straight to low A, uh, had eleven had eleven appearances, only started once his draft year, but one seven three ERA. This year started off in high A, eight games, got promoted to double A. So eight games in high A Peoria, zero point nine nine ERA in forty five innings, fifty six strikeouts to four walks, four walks. Okay, right now he's ten games into double A, fifty eight and two thirds innings. Um, 3.38 ERA, 47 strikeouts to 11 walks. He's thrown a complete game, which is super kind of cool. And so, I like the combination of tools and stuff that we have here. So, physically, 6.4220. I think there's a little bit of room to add a little bit of strength and velocity. Um, he was, I mean, he when he got drafted, he was... 92, 93, or 4. Uh, now he sits 94, and he can touch 98. Um, fastball, another thing here, can hit both sides of the strike zone for a strike to go along with it. He's got a, he's got a change up in the upper 70s. Significant difference in velocity from the fastball to the changeup. Almost a little bit too much. You can kind of read it out of the hand because the velocity change is so much different. But it's got some sinking action. It's got some fading life. It's an above-average pitch. I think it could be a plus pitch. We'll see what happens. Uh, it has a slider, above-average slider. has a curveball that kind of breaks on two planes. It's a like a diving, not quite a power curveball, but like a di- diving action like a power curveball has. Uh, can throw strikes. Good feel for the strike zone. I A lot of the common scouting notes on him have him as a four or five. I think he can be a three if he can get the change up a little more consistent and make sure the deception between the two is still there. Incredibly busy week coming up. We've got the the trade deadline is tomorrow. We're going to have a Locked on MLB live show talking all about the trade deadline. I'll be on there going over some of the prospects that get moved. Uh, to go along with that, we're also going to have some shows this week about draft and a Farm Friday this Friday, so stay tuned. But until then, this has been Locked on MLB Prospect. Uh-huh.